welcome one and all to the Consistent AK podcast. My name's Luke and I'm here as always with Nick. Howdy. Presenting you with a podcast centered around pop culture that we do our very best to make consistently okay for you. Each month we give you one episode where we talk about all things pop culture related and break down our thoughts and more on it. Our second month of the episode will be our in-depth series and this season we are focusing on Batman. From films to animation, we will take you on a journey through the highs, lows, ins and outs of the representation of Batman through the years. This week's sponsor comes from the Camp Air podcast. Give them a like, a follow and support a fellow pop culture podcast. Here they are to tell you more. Hey, this is Butch Patrick. That's right, Eddie Munster. Hello, this is Emily Swallow, the armorer from The Mandalorian. Hi, this is Neil Ross. Hey, this is Gates McFadden, and I'm listening to the Canned Air Podcast. You're listening to the Canned Air Podcast. And you are listening to the Canned Air Podcast. This is the way. Hello, everyone. I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. And I'm Randy Hardenbrook. And we are the Canned Air Podcast, your tribute to comics and pop culture. And if you're looking for a comedy, comics, and pop culture podcast that features amazing guests like some of the ones you heard at the top of this commercial, then look no further than the Canned Air Podcast right here on the Evergreen Podcast Network. All right. So this episode is another in-depth episode. This week, we're joined by Neil from Get Comic Con. Hi. We're on the last of the Christopher Nolan Dark Knight trilogy, and it's The Dark Knight Rises, which was um, which was out in 2012, which is now many, 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 many years ago. Yes, and I am a lot, a lot older and not that much wiser. Which is also around the time that you and I had the conversation about Dark Knight Rises and the Amazing Spider-Man Two. Yes, but at a pub yes. after many, many drinks, <laughs> and I, I still stand by the fact I'm more excited about The Dark Knight Rises than Amazing Spider-Man Two with Andrew Garfield. So sure. that was it was weird because I because Dark Knight I because I, I really liked Dark Knight and I enjoyed the Amazing Spider Man I'm a huge Spider Man fan. This is really dangerous territory because just before really we start recording this, mm. I haven't seen the new Spider Man film, so this is really stupid to talk about Spider Man. But anyway, I was really hyped about the Dark Knight Rises because I really like Bane as a character as well. So I was really excited that we were going to get not Bane from Batman and Robin or Batman yeah, Forever, yes, Batman and Robin. Batman and Robin, and I was like, oh, that Tom Hardy Bane looks awesome. And mm-hmm. I really, I really enjoyed the Dark Knight. So I thought, right, this is going to be great. And I wasn't as hyped for the amazing Spider-Man 2. But you were, Nick, because yeah. Andrew Garfield was in it. And you love Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. Pretty Whether much. he is in the new Spider-Man, I don't know. I have no idea. I'm closing my eyes. Just I, th- I think my reason for is it acknowledged back then was that <laughs> the amazing Spider-Man really surprised me. And I was like, I don't think Dark Knight Rises would surprise me. Which, funnily enough, you. this viewing did. Back then it didn't. But this really? viewing did. And I was like, oh, interesting. Well, let's start there then. And then... Yeah, ooh, I'm intrigued ooh, by this. Up. Yeah. Tell, us, tell, uh, tell Neil and I and the listeners more, Nick. Why oh. did it uh, surprise well, you? So, our last in-depth uh, was Dark Knight. And I think, did I... I think I gave it a seven out of 10 consistently okays i think i should really remember what i gave I'm it pretty sure i assume it was higher than that a whole year ago um and i was going into this thinking that rises wasn't as good as dark knight and i was i was like i really don't remember it just being that good because i can't really remember much about it and then as i was watching it, i was like i actually prefer it to dark knight Oof. yeah yeah, yeah. old statement i know like it's not as good as Batman Begins. Batman Begins is the best of the Nolan trilogy. Like hands down, it's a, almost a pitch perfect film. Um, 
but this one it's just everything that i sort of had an issue with with the dark knight that we were talking about where um i felt like gotham doesn't feel like gotham and it sort of frustrates me a little bit that it's batman and joker like if you just replaced it with the cop and a detective i think it works more it's, it's more interesting and in terms of a narrative it's frustrating to have those characters and it not to feel comic booky. And I remembered Rises feeling like an extension of that, that it, it was it, it just taking it yeah. to the next level. But so much of Rises is very comic booky. Like there's a there's more of a sense of Gotham. It doesn't just feel like any other city. Like there's a bit more to it. Um, there's some really nice like visual cues as well, like Gotham in the snow and like Catwoman's apartment something about that as well as like that feels very kind of gotham it's quite like run down it, the scene where bruce goes to see her in this is i just thought it was quite cool um and also i think just having stuff like wayne manor back and having a bit more of kind of seeing it through like gordon levitt's character seeing how batman is kind of like in this world and and there was just something about it where i was like this feels quite comic booky um and I've, I've still got an issue with it. Like, I still think there's a, I, I think the film's too big um, in yeah. terms of its narrative. But definitely, I think the, the things that it does right in terms of the comic book stuff grabs me more than The Dark Knight did because The Dark Knight just clashed a lot on the last watch. Whereas this, I went in thinking, oh, it's not going to be as good. And then I was actually like, oh, I really like that. Um, yeah, so I was quite surprised. I actually enjoyed it. I think I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought. I, I've seen it s- several times, like I'm sure all of us have, but I, I actually went into it thinking, I can't remember the bits that I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed, I mean, we'll talk more about it, but I enjoyed the Bane Batman bits in the sewers. I enjoy that mm-hmm. so much. I love the Nightfall comic and stuff. I love all that build up to it, but I remember some other sections dragging, which they didn't so much in this watch when I watched it recently. I don't know if it's because I'm engaging with it more because we're going to talk about it in depth, but there are there are still some issues. I think it always comes back to me uh, to the the bit when he's in the the hole in the prison. Yeah, mm. just find it so like oh, like it just feels so like, such a waste. And I, I don't know whether you would just I'd want it to be cut out because it obviously it's logical with this film. But just I feel that the whole that whole section I'm obviously doing exactly what I said I would do, which is jumping way too far ahead before Neil even gets a word in, but. I just wish it was when I was watching, I just thought, I just don't, if, you know, if I'm going to go and make a cup of tea or something, this is the pit I'm going to do it in because I've mm-hmm. seen it enough times to know that I don't care for it that much. And I just, I wish he was just still in Gotham or because yep. he just turns up back in Gotham. He's just there and he's, yeah, he just walks in. It's like, oh, hey, Bruce. It's yeah. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, I've been away. Like, no one else can get off this island, but I, you know, I got in because, uh, you know, yeah. I can. It's just, oh, I just felt so out of place. But I did enjoy. A lot more of it. I, I think it looks great. I think it's the most you get Gotham in the daytime as well, which yeah. is also, yeah. I know Gotham should be dark and things, but we've been so, you know, with the Tim Burton films and the Joel Schumacher films, it's also dark. So it's nice those bits like when Bane's standing on the cars in his big jacket, and he, everybody wanted that fluffy jacket um, after yeah. seeing it. And it was, uh, I still have one. I actually have one. Nice. Um, and it just looks, great and i think it's the best that gotham looks out of all the batman for oh the tim burton stuff with the, the backgrounds is very good as well but it just feels a lot more i think it's because of the football stadium scene as well right yeah um, I've seen. 
which is which is a great scene and definitely the best line that Bane has with the singing voice bits. Um, so it's yeah, I, I enjoyed it a lot. Do you what do you think, Neil? I've, I've rambled enough now. I I'm similar, uh, I think, to you, Nick. I I've kind of grown to this. I, I, I think I saw The Dark Knight at the cinema like six, seven times. Like mm-hmm. it was that film that everyone was like, I want to see this film with you. And I'm like, yeah, I'll watch it again. Um, and I think I watched it too much. And so I took a very, very long break where I didn't really rewatch it, where I would kind of, I'd watch Batman Begins or I'd watch The Dark Knight Rises and not go back to The Dark Knight. And I've sort of come to this point where I don't feel like The Dark Knight is a Batman film. Mm-hmm. I feel like it is a, what we now know is a typical Chris Nolan film. It just happens yeah. to star Batman. Yeah. And so I don't even think of it as a comic book movie either because it's it's not to me at all. Whereas when I watch Rises, I can see Nightfall and I can see No Man's Land and I can see all of my kind of favorite comics from the noughties, like late 90s and the noughties. And I just, I, I vibe with it a lot more in that respect. And it, that's not to knock The Dark Knight because it is an amazing film, but it's an amazing Christopher Nolan film that yeah. just happens to have Batman in it. I get more out of this. Um, I even think you, like you were just saying about um, Catwoman's apartment, that just takes me back to like year one and yeah. that comic yeah. book and that era of what Gotham's like in that book. I just feel like you can, you can feel that the, the influences on rises a lot more than you can with, with the dark Knight. I agree. As well. yeah. I think it's, I read the other day, I think I assume it was about dark Knights. I can't imagine it being about rises, but it's just what you both have said that it's a uh, dark Knight is a, a Batman film, uh, a film, a superhero film without a superhero. That's what yeah, they yeah. read it as. Yeah. Um, which is which is true. Yeah. So, but Rises does feel definitely more, uh, I guess, but also with the Batman Catwoman stuff, like those scenes, that does feel like a comic as well, doesn't it? That that whole bit feels like an action in comic, whereas you don't get an awful amount of that in Dark Knight. But Dark Knight no, Rises, it's almost like they, re- they reassessed what they liked and didn't like about Dark Knight. And they were like, right, this is how we have to up. And Bane is... Bane is a bit more of an over the, I know Joker's over the top. It sounds really weird to say it, but he is, he's just insane. He's just like your, like a mass murderer type villain. But Bane feels a bit more like super villain. Like, uh, yeah, he doesn't have the, he doesn't have the venom in him, but he's, you know, he's got his mask and it's a little bit, it's, I don't know, it looks a bit unique. And I mean, man, that sewer scene is just the best. Yeah. I think it's so, so good. And yeah, I, yeah. I think that's actually what got me more excited about Donna Rice than the Amazing Spider Man. It's just for the, the things that they tease, like the first photo released was Tom Hardy as Bane with his arms yes. crossed in the sewer. Yeah. And then it was the crack mask. Yeah. yeah. And then it was like, oh, I wonder. And then you, you immediately think like, okay, this is going to be, this is going to be nightfall. Like Batman is going to like, he's going to get his back broken. It's going to be awesome. And the fact is that when those two are fighting in that scene as well, there doesn't look like there's, there shouldn't be that much difference because Batman is, you know, he's Batman and this isn't like new Batman or because Batman Begins was new Batman. Dark Knight is like seasoned Batman, and this is like almost, you know, old, a bit older yeah. Batman. He's broken down, but you know, they're they're in the fight could be pretty even, but Bane just just destroys him, and I loved it. I didn't want Batman to lose, obviously. Well, did I? Maybe. <laughs> want Batman to lose, but I, I think, and I think I just, it's, it's a really good scene. Yeah, and I think we don't. What? We've not long. Sorry. No, good. You go, go, go. I was going to say, we, we'd not long moved to London when that film came out. So we went and watched the, the premiere of it. We weren't like, it wasn't, this was long before like podcasting or anything like that. So it's not, we weren't attending it or anything. We just stood outside and watched it. And uh, it was in the middle of Leicester Square in the gardens. And they built a huge stage that was the cracked mask. 
So they built, and that's like all the cast came out from the back of it through through the cowl, but it was just this massive cracked cowl just sitting in the middle of Leicester Square with one of the the army tumblers oh, just going around it. I remember. I rem- I, I, yeah. I wasn't there, but I remember seeing it on the media coverage. Now you say it, oh, that was really cool. It was so cool. I mean, we were quite far away from it. We were the other side, but looking face on. Um, but even just hearing the rumble from that tumbler just driving around was so cool. So cool. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I think the the thing that makes that um, their fight even more kind of like intense is just like the lack of a score that it just goes mm, completely yeah, quiet. I remember seeing quiet, doesn't it as well? I remember seeing that in IMAX, and with IMAX, you're just so used to this like big booming sound, and it sort of just cuts to that scene, and it's just very visceral. It's just like there's no sound other than the two of them just throwing punches and getting hit and something about it makes it just feel a little bit more kind of like well this is fucking heavy isn't it um it's just yeah it it is a really well done scene i think as well i realized with this visually i think you've sort of entered the nolan stage of like how far can i go with things like the opening scene is really ballsy to film yeah um, yeah. And especially to do it with like IMAX cameras and shit. Like, it's just, you've, you've entered that phase where Nolan's like, I've done Inception and I'm just going to go nuts now. And this is my last thing for Batman. So I'm just going to film as much as I can with IMAX and try and do the most ridiculous things. Um, and I think that probably helps with how Gotham looks. I think he, it's almost like there's just a confidence and he's like, this is how it's going to be, be shown. Um, and yeah, I just it is just really well done all around. I think. Do you think? Do you like the opening scene of Dark Knight Rises more than the opening scene? Of, I mean, I, I don't. You weren't that big a fan of the Dark Knight opening scene. I of think Joker the, in the bank. The opening scene of the Dark Knight makes more sense. Like, I get what this does as an opening scene, but narratively, it's such a small thing. Like, yeah. it it's there to cover up the tracks of the the guy that they thought was dead. Um, so that at some point that guy in the thing can go, yeah, he's a physicist that we assumed was dead. It's, it's, it's like a really small thing. Whereas the opening of the dark Knight serves more purpose in that it's like, here's the character of Joker. And this is how batshit crazy is and how clever he is that he's convinced all these robbers to kill themselves as well as then he's like, I'm going to fucking kill the last people and just take everything and go. And it's not about the money. It's just about chaos. Yeah. Um, so I think the, the opening scene of The Dark Knight is better narratively, but the opening shot of Dark Knight Rises is probably shot better, but it's because it is just like your balls. Pretty, like, yeah, pretty ballsy. Yeah. Um, You've just reminded me of what I think is my one of my biggest bugbears with The Dark Knight. And at the end of the opening scene, when the bus pulls out of the, oh, yeah. the bank. I know what you're going to say. You hear children on buses and there are no, there's no one on any bus. The buses are empty. There is the sound of children. I'm like, where are the children? What is That's going on? Is that and the fact that just no one reacts to this bus pulling out of a bank. Exactly. Like, yeah. You actually see it. They're just people walking around. It's just like, yeah. uh-huh. Like, mm, uh, and like, I don't know. And the, the police cars are actually going past or the fire engines are going past mm. in the opposite direction, but there's just dust everywhere. Yeah, it's just uh, I don't know, Weird. a bit of army, but 
Yeah, I I will say one before I forget because I don't want to say it. But one of my other favorite bits about Dark Knight Rises is, is, and we said about this in the Dark Knight and Batman Begins, is uh, Cillian Murphy being in it as Scarecrow again. He oh is God, yeah. so good. when he he is so is so good that the only thing I wish is that he was like a full on Scarecrow attire um, when he's being a judge. But he does have like um, he's obviously ruffled up and he's got feathers and stuff, but. I remember seeing it when I saw that cinema, I was, I was so happy he was in it still because yeah. he's been like the, I, I love, I think we said before, like I love the fact, I always wished in a lot of superheroes, there was always like one B, B villain that just popped up every now and again um, that was like linking all the films. Um, I think I said with the first of the Tom Holland Spider-Man, like I wanted, when I saw Shocker, I always wanted Shocker just to be a part of that, those, yeah. that trilogy. Um that didn't happen. So with Scarecrow, obviously, before I just was so happy that he had a little piece in, in each film. Um, and it's it's only small. It's only he's only on it for like what two minutes, maybe. Yeah, got be. Um, yeah, it's really small, isn't it? It's really small, but it's just I love the fact that he's in it. I love the fact yeah. that he's the judge, and he's just I don't know. He's just cemented himself as, as a crazy villain in this Gotham city. So it's a really yeah. good bit. And he his dialogue's great as well. Where um, the I think the first time you meet him in it. And he offers the guy death or exile, and the guy's like exile. Um, and uh, is it the second time that then when he's offered it, he says death by exile? Yeah, death by and exile. He, yeah, and his voice is quite high pitched. Yeah, as well. it's like he's just completely fucking with people. Like, is, you're, yeah. you're going to face the same thing either way. So I'm basically. Yeah. Screwed. I mean, it seems like he's really enjoying it, doesn't he? In yeah, this one. yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah. Which is, I just think it's awesome. I love the fact that he was included in all three films. So, which obviously would be because he's in like nearly every Christopher Nolan film, or it feels like he is him. And because this just came out just after Inception, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. So like, it just feels like, just feels like they're all there. Like the Inception cast are in the Dark Knight Rises as well. And it's pretty good when you watch. So I watched Inception recently as well. I think I watched it just before. No, for no reason. It just was on, and I was just like, oh, watch Inception. And you got Tom Hardy who's playing like a very suave, like a British character Inception, and all of a sudden he's Bane. And uh, yeah. It was a bit of a switch, but yeah. it's hard to you wonder what Christopher Nolan saw in Tom Hardy to make him think Bane, because obviously other than he probably he's pretty well built up at even Inception, but I mean, to yeah, think... I mean, uh, if you look at like Bronson, which... Oh, yeah, I guess made, so, yeah. I didn't like, think about that at the time, but it's probably Bronson, isn't it, has done it. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure I've read an interview with Nolan where he cited Bronson as being one of the, one of the reasons that made him look and think that's, that's Bane. Okay, yeah, mate. I mean, it makes sense. I didn't even think about Bronson. I was like, I, don't th- I think I've only ever seen that film once. Because but... fucking heavy. That's probably yeah, it's heavy. High. Yeah, well, that'll do it. Yeah. That'd be the reason. Yeah, I remember exactly. the voice and stuff as well with Tom Hardy. I remember people hated it, didn't they? Well, a lot of people did. They really thought it was crazy because you couldn't hear him properly. But I love there it. Was the whole rumor around the fact that there was an earlier cut where it was um, completely inaudible and that they'd gone back and redone a lot of it to try and clear it yeah, up. It was I don't muffled, know how true it is. I, I, I did wonder that watching this back. It there are times where you feel like the audio's been redone, specifically the fight scene between him, because there's no score. When he mm. comes in, there's like a weird like dip in the sound just before he comes in speaking, and then it sort of goes back. It's almost like they had redone it. Interesting, but they probably would have had to redo it when they. I mean, if if it was getting. Like the cut was getting reviewed, like oh, we can't understand Bane, and the yeah. whole film hinges on it, doesn't it? If you can't understand yeah. the villain, because we we spoke about with um, what was the other, what was the film we did recently? Tenant. Tenant. Yeah. Well, you can't uh, you can't understand like 
Yeah, I mean, like that the scene in the auditorium, is it? And it's yeah. just like, what? But, <laughs> what like, they the, say? The irony is, is that Nolan has now got to the point where like his films have become louder and louder and the dialogue yes. has become more in order. They have, yeah. And people are just like, sure, it's a Nolan thing. Like, yeah, we'll just have uh, to wing it. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't help that it's a very confusing film in t- points that you yeah. can't understand what's going on top of it. But I'm glad they changed Bane's audio because that dialogue, even in the sewer, which obviously I'm obviously in love with the scene, but some of his lines are just because it's just like quick one-liners yeah, uh, as he's beating the shit and slowly destroying Batman. And the fact, just go back to that scene now, why not? And the fact that he's he's fully beaten Batman, like he's just done, and then he's just like, I'm going to break you in half as well, just just for shits and giggles. So. Yeah. Uh, it's and the fact that Catwoman betrayed him, which yeah. makes the whole scene even better, because it's like a it's like a, a boss level in a game where it's like the gate's down now, so there's nothing you can do. If you if you quit the game, when you go back into it, you're in this cave or this sewer, so you're yeah. gonna have to fight Bane eventually. And there's nothing, just nothing Batman can do other than try and beat him, but he just doesn't at all. I was trying to remember as well because I, I text Neil about this that I wish the the digital versions had the IMAX scenes because I couldn't remember whether. I know their fight is in IMAX, but I couldn't remember whether it switches to IMAX once once the gate shuts, like whether that's the bit where the screen then gets bigger. Because yeah. I remember that happening in IMAX, and the minute the gate shut, I just I have this kind of memory of like the screen just going ooh, and I remember like I oh think, my god, like so I saw it in IMAX, and I think I thought it started when they're in the tunnel and they're avoiding the you know when these like Catwoman like. They're like fighting basically throughout the tunnel. Yeah, I that's what I couldn't. There. I couldn't remember whether I've like built this thing in my head or whether it is legit that mm-hmm. that's the bit where it decides to go. Because um, the only like I definitely know that their fight is an IMAX. Like it, that is a concrete in there, but I just can't remember whether the the preamble stuff is. That make it even more like a video game if the yeah. Well, well, I can't. I can't remember either. I just. I feel yeah. like I remember seeing the that tunnel scene in IMAX, but I yeah. in the like IMAX shot. But I can't remember. Bloody yeah. good scene, guys. I could just talk about that for an hour. Okay. Uh, I won't Speaking go on too long. of um, Catwoman, how do we all feel mm-hmm. about Anne Hathaway's version? Her take. It's no I'm Michelle not... Pfeiffer. Yeah, yeah, she's no Michelle Pfeiffer. She's definitely no Michelle Pfeiffer. I've never been a big fan of Anne Hathaway. So when they cast her, I was a bit like... Mm. No, me neither. I agree. Mm-hmm. But I do quite like the characterization. I think she did it well. Yeah. Particularly like the when you first meet her, mm. when she's um, working at the party at Wayne Manor. I love yeah. the switch yeah. when uh, she takes the tray up to, to where Bruce is hiding. And he's he's kind of like, hang on a minute, you were fucking around with my safe, and the the face just switches. I, she she did do it well. Yeah, I, think- I like. She's very. She's a good. Uh, she's very. Um, she plays the role of being like a thief, kind of mm. well as well. But I don't like an ass kicking Catwoman, like uh, or like crazy. Because Michelle Pfeiffer is like crazy Catwoman, which I think yeah. is a really good Catwoman. Like you don't know, she's like she's like sexy and crazy and you don't know what you're going to get she's going to be nice that when she's dancing with bruce wayne at the party in batman returns it's like you know bruce is attracted to her but she just doesn't know that underneath she's catwoman i love all those aspects but animal hathaway's version is like with the stealing of the blueprints and like the pretending to cry in the bar and things like that uh, so the police don't arrest her like those bits i quite like but i don't like i i think actually like her more as catwoman when she's not dressed as catwoman 
think she's mm-hmm. better as a uh, like a uh, Selena Kyle than yeah yeah Catwoman. Yeah, I, I I think that's probably my take on it in that I'm much the same as you Neil. The, the scene where she switches um, in that in Bruce's room, whatever it's, I think she absolutely <laughs> one of many. Yeah, I think she absolutely nails that. Like, there's something about her facial expression and like her tone of voice and stuff. I, I think that is great. Um, and then I think all the other times that you see her, like when she takes the guy to the bar, um, I think she's great there and she pretends to be like crying and distraught and then she just walks out and then she does it again and then she keeps walking. I just think she does that really, really well. But then her stuff as Catwoman, it just, it doesn't feel like it's a, like necessarily a different persona. It's almost like yeah. she does Selena Kyle persona of like, I'm going to act good here and, and be bad. And then she becomes Catwoman. And it's like, she's just sort of middle of the road. Um, whereas you'd kind of think her being Catwoman, maybe things would be more heightened that she'd be even more kind of like, I'm in a fucking cat costume. I'm just going to go nuts. Um, I do really like all the little references they give her, like having the cat ears. I think yeah, I was just gonna say about that. I like I the think practical nature nice. of that. That was cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the little like um, knife blades in the heels of her boots as well. Yeah, that's yeah. really cool. I like that as well. And like at the the scene where she dances with them as well, her like dress, her hat bit has like cat ears as well. Yeah, I was like it's just there's a lot of like, a, attention. She has some good lines, isn't she? I mean, that was like the the big bit in the trailer, wasn't it? It's basically Selena Carr's dialogue, where she's like, you know, the rich. Uh, you, going to feel bad with how rich everyone is and how how they're going to fall and everything like that so i think i definitely like selena Car- I, I like anne hathaway as selena car i just didn't like her as catwoman even with i thought the costume was pretty good and stuff but i didn't really hit home with me i did not like the fact that she's the one who basically kills bane that made me uh although as harry pointed out in the dark knight technically it's bruce that kills him right technically is it well he gave her the bat pod Right? No, but that's yeah. No, she does so, it. She kills like, him. but with his equipment, kind of. Mm, right. Yeah. I do quite of. like actually that she kills people. I like that that she um, she doesn't hold back. I, I I really like that. Like the scene where she just does cap a few people. I'm like fair play. Like it makes sense for her character, doesn't it? Because she's still on the fence, yeah. isn't she? Whereas Bruce Bruce shouldn't kill people. Yeah. Um, Pretty sure he does during this trilogy a few times. Yeah. Definitely kills okay. people, doesn't he? Definitely. So just um, like the Batman. The whole storyline with the um, the clean slate, I yes. find. Yeah. Yes. Weird. Good. Um, yeah, that's true. That that's what frustrates me on this watch. So she's like she seems fully committed to like looking after the the girl that lives with her and like searching for marks, stealing wallets, watches, and all that stuff. And being a pickpocket and then going for the rich at the same time. And obviously being, she was obviously hired to get Bruce's thumbprints and stuff. So she was happy to do all of that. But at the same time, she was doing all of that because she didn't want to be a thief and wanted this mythical thing that we didn't know whether it exists or not. And so I don't know that I've struggled with slightly. She needed better motivation for, well, she either needed none, like we didn't need to have any of that. And she was just simply doing what she was doing. Like yeah. the Joker is just causing chaos in the Dark Knight, and Bane is just doing what he's doing. Like they they gave her too much, and it didn't quite make sense what they gave her. 
Yeah, I agree. They they gave her too much right. of a, a like a story that I don't think she needed. I think she could have just yeah. been like a thief, and she yeah. somehow she is. Uh, you get the sense of it with the the Batman that's coming out. You get the sense that this Catwoman is just she's doing her own thing, but she just gets thrown into this mm. this yeah. this thing that's going on with Batman and Riddler and in Gotham. But they could have easily just put this version of Cat just. They could have just crossed. Something could have happened where they just she's in the wrong place at the right time, wrong time. Right, wrong place at the right time. That doesn't make any sense. What's to say? Stupid. My Norwegian brain is messing with my head. I've lost all versions of English uh, sayings. She was. She could have just been there, and yeah. something could have happened, and she's linked to this story. But yeah, I think this clean slate thing. It just felt really. Um, I don't know. It just felt like a, a weekly TV show sort sort of thing, like something yeah. you'd get in Ag- Agents of Shield. Like, it, oh yeah, we're after the clean slate, and that would be the whole series. They're trying to get to the. Clean yeah, slates, yeah. but it's felt a bit out of place. I agree. It sort of felt like they'd cut like a bit of the plot, like as if for her to to want the clean slate, the natural assumption I sort of go to is that somebody's got something on her, and she doesn't like want that out there. Like she wants to start over because of this thing that's happened yeah. in the past or something. Yeah. Like there is something that kind of gives her that motivation of like, I've done something in my past or somebody knows this thing in my past and I need it gone because I'm not happy with it. But that element's not there. And so instead you sort of just got this, she's hunting the clean slate because. Um, and it, it feels like a loose way to sort of bring her and Bruce together. Like yeah. that, it, I feel like there is a, a more interesting way to do it. Um, but yeah, that that's probably the biggest thing I think with her character that I, I kind of just think it, they haven't quite padded her out. Um, that just made me remember something from when I first watched this film that I'd forgotten about. Ben Mendelsohn's character, yes. um, they only refer to him as Daggett, but yeah. there was the character in Batman the Animated Series, I think it's Roland Daggett, who right. ran... Um, like a dodgy, was it a pharmaceutical company? I think in Gotham. And there are a couple of episodes where Daggett and Catwoman are like pretty much like each other's worst enemy. So there's a whole episode where uh, Daggett is stealing stray cats off the streets of Gotham to experiment on them. Um, and she gets poisoned and nearly dies and Bruce has to save her. And it's kind of how they get together in Batman, the animated series. So I remember the first time I watched this film, as soon as someone said his name, I was like, oh, huh. there could be a thing here. Yeah. Especially because he, I think it's his apartment that she goes to to break into the safe, thinking that he has the clean slate as well. Yeah, it was, yeah. So I just remember thinking that there was going to be more to those two and that that could have given it some more context as well. Yeah. That's a good scene with Bane as well in Dag, isn't it? I like that as well with the hand on the shoulder. Um, yeah. The thing, it's just such a holy shit like yeah. this guy will destroy you uh no matter how powerful you think you are what That's did you think away, though isn't it isn't because they you don't see him do anything no you don't which is much like the scene that baffles me where joker puts the the knife in that in the one guy's mouth and then it does a weird cutaway and yeah, that and he's shock like, of music where he falls and you're like we well, only cut his mouth he didn't like break his what yeah like kill him or whatever yeah because yeah. you, you think with dagger he's I think isn't the sound like of a neck being twisted. I think you actually get to hear it at least. Yeah, so it is weird, isn't it? I don't know why that happens, considering everything else that goes on. And bear in mind, Batman gets his back broken and stuff. It's uh, yeah. a bit strange. 
other other uh, roles in this film? Joseph Gordon-Levitt. What did you make yes. of him, aka Robin? Um, so this watch, because when he was first in it, I was like, I love it. Um, I've always loved the end scene, like where he becomes Batman, Robin, whoever he's going to become. Uh-huh. Mm. I always loved it just because um, it gives the film the title. Like, I feel like the title can always be assumed that it's around Bane about like the whole fire rises thing. But I really like that the last shot is Gordon Levitt rising up. And you could be like, well, the reason the film's called Dark Knight Rises is because of him. Um, and I thought that was quite clever. I really like that. Um, watching this back, though, having watched Titans, I really wish they'd just had him as Dick Grayson. Because he's not far off the storyline. Like, minus the Flying Graysons. Um, it just it feels like they've, they've gone through a lot of effort to sort of give him a bit of Dick Grayson, a little bit of Tim Drake, a little bit of like Jason Todd, as if they tried to just be like, we're not going to let you know he's Robin until right at the end. And then they came to an issue where they're like, well, shit, what do we call him? And they just went, we'll call him Robin. That always yeah. felt a little bit like heavy handed. Um, so I feel like, yeah, watching this back, I was like, if you just said he's Dick Grayson, it would have worked so much better. I would have been like, cool. Um, I agree. Yeah. I think as well. I think it was, uh, I think they went a kind of a long way around to, I, I don't think I actually thought much of it when I was watching it though. I don't think I thought, hey, this is going to be Robin. Like, I don't think. I don't think I put two and two together, which is like, did you both catch on? Because I, I don't think I did. If I I remember right, anyway, I did either. Particularly, I think think it was it was only at the end when they were sort of like wrapping things up. So I thought, ah, maybe so he maybe he's going to take over the mantle. But I just thought they'll probably pretend he's a new Batman, which you could take either way. But when they said Robin, I was like, ah, Robin. I thought, well, could have done that definitely on this watch through, or probably the one before as well. I thought I feel like they could have just gone for it. Like. Would have been yeah. pretty cool. I um, I think I had a feeling going in because I feel like it was around the time that I was reading loads of fucking rumors, spoilers, all this shit, which now I just avoid in general. I'm like, whatever. Um, and I feel like somebody at some point had gone, his character is called Blake, not far removed from Drake. And they were like, is it just a a ploy that they've they've given him a, a false name and when you watch the film he's going to turn out to be tim drake or whoever um and i was like i could see it but i always just feel like he obviously doesn't become robin because batman's not a thing anymore so he becomes mm, yeah either batman or nightwing so him having the name robin is just a bit weird um, yeah. but i think he does a good performance he's great in it I really, really like the scene on the uh, the bridge when they blow it. Bridge, yeah. I think yeah, his performance good. there is really fucking good. Um, and I like his conversation as well with um, the kid when the kid. Yeah, I like that as well. With, with I think, chalk, yeah, that's yeah, really good as well. I think all of his scenes are pretty good, actually. I actually quite yeah. like. Um, I think it's a good. I, I think the reason maybe they said Robin was because a lot of people that were watching uh, were probably watching it. They didn't know a lot about. Batman, they probably yeah. just would be like, "Oh, Robin." Whereas if you if you had been like, "Oh, it's Dick," or "Oh, it's Tim," they'd be like, "That's a 
solid name. Yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Cool. Why did they leave that till the end to tell us what his first name was? But when they yeah. say Robin, it's like, ah, oh, Robin. Like, that yeah. guy. Yeah. So um, I think that's, in my head, that's why they did it like that. But I wish they had just gone like full pout, like, you know, not full pout, not saying that Joseph Willett should have been running around in a, you know, Silver Age Robin costume. But just <laughs> like they could have just said, like, oh, his name's Tim or whatever. And it would have, you could have slowly gone into a little bit more of it. But yeah. I think it worked yeah. for the best part. And I think he acted, I think he did really well in the role. Mm-hmm. I do love the end scene where he's on the, in the Batcave. Like, I love mm-hmm. the fact that he was like, like showing basically where to go and it was like you're the one who can take up the mantle basically so i think he was good i enjoyed it yeah i agree i think there's i think watching it now having seen it a few times and kind of knowing what the trajectory of the character is i think you can kind of see that they're sort of setting him up all the way through as he's kind of the white knight in this version in that he's the one that's not you know, he's not a bent cop. He's not being swayed by what Bane's doing. He doesn't believe in anything other than that. He just believes in Batman. And the fact that he'd figured him out from when he was younger as well does suddenly feel a bit sort of Jason Todd-esque or Tim Drake-esque. You can kind yeah. of imagine him sort of stealing the wheels off the Batmobile. Um, yeah. It did feel like a mix of sort of different Robins for me. Uh, yeah. But I, did, I, I really liked him, but I do think that last scene is quite heavy-handed where it's just like completely out of the blue. She's like, why don't you use your name? You're like, what? Yeah. That, what? What? How is this yeah. important to the story at this point? Although to be fair, I think the first time I watched it, I was probably on the floor thinking that, like, had did he actually die? Oh yeah. That yeah. I was probably not even paying attention all that much because I was probably just thinking, did you just kill Batman? Did Christopher Nolan just kill Batman? But is it? Because I remember thinking for ages afterwards that because wasn't it open to speculation that like you could either. Alfred is imagining that they're there because mm-hmm. he wanted it so much or if they're actually there. But when I sort of read a lot more about it the last week, it was like, everyone was just like, oh yeah. And then Alfred sees Bruce and Selena sitting across from him. But I swear at the time and for I, a long, was, long time, yeah. I just, I was, in, yeah, in my head, yeah, it was ambiguous. And I always just assumed he had just imagined it because that's, he wanted it so much for Bruce that when he was there, he was, he was just imagining what he, yeah, what he wanted. And he thought, I'm just going to pretend that Bruce is happy. He's with the last woman that I saw him have any affiliation with, and he can just have his uh, cappuccino, whatever he's drinking, things would be good. But then everyone now is like, yeah, that's the way it was. But I wasn't sure if Christopher had come out and said, yeah, this is this is the ending. They're there. They're alive. No, I think the... You're going to... No, sorry, I, was gonna say, I, just don't th- I don't think he ever did really come out and say exactly what he thought it was. And I, I exactly the same as you. I always took it as that's what Alfred wanted to see. And it was up to me to decide whether I felt it was real or not, because that's Alfred's dialogue. Alfred's dialogue early in the film was that every year while Bruce was gone, missing, whatever, he went, sat in that exact spot, had that exact drink, and he would imagine seeing yeah, Bruce there because yeah, I wanted you to be happy. Yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah don't they? Like Lucius Fox saying that they fixed their. Uh... He realized the mm. autopilot had been fixed and that was for me was like uh again that that's what's given me the hope that this was real but i yeah agree i just mm. i took the alfred lines at the beginning and i thought it was it was uh it didn't actually happen but now i feel like i'm wrong i think it's no, the um I, th- I think it's the the product of coming out post inception because i i think logically the fact that the autopilot was fixed and they have that scene there is like oh well, he fixed it and he made it out. Like, why else would you ever mention the autopilot? Like, there's no reason. Yeah. 
to bring that through because you lay that down earlier on where Lucius is like, I could never get the autopilot to work. It needs a better brain than mine. Um, and so you've got that storyline that you're like, well, if Bruce did fix it, why wouldn't he use it? Um, and also then you've got Catwoman's dialogue of like, you don't know them anything else. And it, you, you sort of set all that up on a plate really. But I think the, the coming out post inception and the fact that that scene is filmed a lot like the last scene of Inception where he goes home and he's like, sees his kids and like, like there is visually, it's very similar. And so if you've seen Inception, you sort of are like watching that and you're like, is this a trick? Like is Bruce going to start spinning a a little thing on the table and it's all going to be a bit like, Oh, did he survive? Did he not? Um, It, I think it is a product of, of, of that sort of Nolan era of like, is what he's shown us real or is it not? Um, but I think watching this back, it's pretty definitive. You're like, oh, it has to be that he survived because otherwise the the autopilot line is just complete nonsense. Um, but then logistically, given the fact that not long, like seconds before the explosion, there's a shot of him like close up still sitting in the bat and the size of the explosion. Yeah, that's what I think. I don't know how he quite got away from it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, he's Batman, so you know he got yeah. away from it. But it was a pretty big explosion as well. It wasn't like uh, I just it, it, the whole time, like I said, I just thought, yeah, I thought that's when he died and he went out on a, I don't know, went out like in a blaze of glory. And yeah, Alfred just imagined it, but I just, I just think the Lucius Fox line was a plant there, just so you had a, I think. think maybe. I think as well, like Selena being there at the end is like if it was, I feel like if it was a dream, it would just be him seeing. Bruce, I don't think you'd see mm-hmm. Selena. But why um, would Selena give up being Catwoman? Because she got a clean slate because of him. I guess so. So that that was the point is that she still got the clean slate, um, and she was telling him before they went into the final fight that he should just leave with her, and he does yeah. basically. So I feel like she's the one that's that's. I don't know why Alfred would dream her basically. I think it's I mean, just so he's happy because he's gonna. Yeah. If he's just if Bruce is just over there drinking a coffee, he's lonely, isn't he? And yeah. Alfred wanted him to grow up and be a happy boy. With but a, I don't think did, did Alfred a girl that he loved properly meet Selena. Is there a scene between the two of them? Uh, he he hands her the tray to take up to Bruce at the party because he comes in. Alfred comes yeah. in and asks where the actual housekeeper is, and she's like, oh, "I think she's gone somewhere else." Uh. And then he hands her the tray to take up to the room. So he has. He has met her at that point and yeah. he knew she was the cat burglar because he was yeah. in the back cave when Bruce was looking at the newspaper stuff about her on the computer. Yeah. But he didn't know really if the thing, did he? It's just her sitting in the cafe in her maid outfit. Just like hi. Yeah. It's okay. That's my point, is it's like it I maybe feel it like is too perfect. I don't know. The no, narrative no. of the, the two of them being together doesn't quite just happen what? until that third don't... act and Alfred's gone. Don't give me your logic, Nick. Neil and I clearly want Batman to die in an yeah. explosion. We don't want him to be happy. Well, I thought it was—I thought it was a really brave thing to do. So, kind of at that point where the explosion happens and everyone thinks he's dead, and they unveil the statue. Like my thought process was, I can't believe he's had the balls to do it. But I feel like for Chris Nolan's version of Batman, that was the perfect way to end him. Yeah, and I still you. like the fact that. 
like ignore the ambiguity for a minute, be he dead or alive, I still think that was the right way to end and put a proper full stop on this is Nolan's Batman, mm. Warner Brothers, you ain't bringing this guy back to do anything else that you want to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I just, at the time, I was really impressed by the fact that he he went through with doing something like that with a character who you would expect to kind of endure and just keep coming back. Yeah. I th- yeah, I think narratively, it makes sense that Batman should mm. die. Um, I think I'm always a big supporter of the idea that I think if you're telling a Batman story and at the end of it he dies, I feel like he's given everything. Because that, that's always his whole thing. Is like he's going to yeah. give everything to protect people. And so if you give a storyline that you want to have a definitive Batman ending, kill him because he's he's perfect for like sacrifice. Um, but you have to kill him, don't you? Because yeah. he would never stop. Gotham would never be safe, would it? That's yeah, the I mean, thing. That's why he's, that's why he's in m- most comics. He's old man Bruce yeah. as well because he's... He doesn't have an end, does he? He just wants to keep going. So killing him is the only yeah, don't, thing to stop yeah. him. But yeah, I just... This is my theory for Flash as well. This is what's going to happen to, to Ben Affleck. Is going to, he is going to sacrifice, sacrifice himself in whatever crisis Barry causes. And Michael Keaton's Batman, who has nothing left to live for on his earth, is going to come over to ours because we need a Batman. Yeah, they're saying he's going yeah. to be like the Nick Fury, isn't he, of these the next DC films, isn't he? He's just going to pop up every now and again. It's... Mm-hmm awesome batman costume my only issue yes. with that which i've like i've been saying for a while because I, I always got the impression they'd kill him off because i feel like that is the only way you can close off affleck's run like yeah. without it just feeling a bit weird um especially if you're continuing the rest of the justice league cast like yep. how do you explain just him um is like as a character which again sort of leans into this this film a little bit i always think that Batman and Bruce Wayne are like the most miserable bastard you could ever see. Like the guy is just misery central. Um, unless you look at like Batman 66 or whatever, but like, otherwise he is a miserable person. And I feel like for it to work for them to pull Keaton into his new timeline to give him like a new earth. I want a film or a short mini series about him dealing with that. I want to see him basically mm. be like, why should I care about Batgirl? Yeah. Why should I care about this Commissioner Gordon? Which I also never really had a relationship with the previous Commissioner Gordon. Um, like, what? why should I care about helping any of these people out? Because, like, my Earth is gone. So, what? why? Why do I care? Yeah. And, and I want that, like, I want him to be that miserable. That it's like, he's not just, cool, I'll go to another Earth and protect everyone because i know everyone here like nobody he knows is who he knows like everybody's a different version so like that there needs to be that reason for him to be like i will train back up and i think there's a little bit of that in rises where narratively their decision where they were like batman's just gonna like disappear he's just gonna be a recluse um and he's not gonna go out on the streets anymore because he's taken the fall for harvey I feel like there's a more interesting version of that where you go for eight years, he's hunted by the police for eight years. He's like number one and all of his like crime stopping days are challenged by the fact that then he's also having to like run away from the police basically. So everybody's after him. And so then you meet Bruce 
all these years later. And the reason he's battered and bruised is that he's just like, everybody's out to get me. Everybody wants yeah. a piece of me. And I'm bitter as fuck. And just, just this Bane guy, like, fuck it. I don't care. Um, like, I'll go take him on because I can. And I feel like that just makes it, it would give him more weight. I just, I don't, I've never liked the, the fact that he just became a recluse. I feel like Batman would still be the one that's like, I'm still going to go out there and protect the city. I'm just not going to be on the same side as the police, which isn't new because the guy is a vigilante. Um, like, but yeah, that, that, that's always been the thing. But I feel like there is a parallel there that, um, that's quite interesting to kind of strike between the two just as a character thing. But, yeah. yeah. Um, who else was new for this film? I don't think there's anything else new, but I just wanted to talk about uh, Commissioner Gordon. And yes. um, I think his role is so significant in the trilogy. And I actually really liked his role in this as well. I think mm. uh, Gary Oldman is just a really good Commissioner Gordon. I think he also... Um, I, I love the opening scene when he's talking the... the is it celebration? We're basically talking about um, Harvey Dent, isn't he? It's the Harvey Dent yeah. events. And I, I think that's really good. I, I like the fact he looks a bit withered as well. Like he's, you know, he's Gotham is just a shithole, basically, even after all the stuff, the Harvey Dent stuff. And he's just, he looks tired as well, like even tired than Bruce. And obviously he's been through some stuff as well. And I, there's just so much I like about his character, even the fact that he's so willing at his point in his career that he's the one running around the streets putting bombs on tanks and yeah you know the journey that he's been on throughout it and when they recap when he realizes who batman is like that full circle thing when it flashes back to him putting the jacket around bruce wayne and his you know his line the the i won't be able to remember now what's the significant line he says Oh, like, like um, um, no, it's Bruce Wayne. Yeah, Bruce Wayne's the one who's talking. Batman's talking, saying like you could, like it, it could oh, be yeah, a man putting a jacket around you, basically. Yeah, yeah, that's it. yeah. yeah that, it. that that bit is just like, oh man. Hmm. And I love the fact that even even though he's realised who Bruce Wayne is, he's still doing his Batman voice. Like he's still yeah. talking to Commissioner Gordon, like oh, someone who could put a jacket around a little boy who's scared. Yeah. Like yeah. you can just talk like you can just talk as Bruce now. I like, uh, you don't I have to this. you don't have to do Batman voice anymore. You can just be like, hey. Hey, hey, Jim, it's me. I, I was saying that because we were watching, uh, I was watching it with my boyfriend, and when we got to the scene where uh, Bruce gives Selena the clean slate and the bat pot, the bat cycle thing, whatever it is, um, and he's Batman and she's dressed as Catwoman, he's still doing his Batman voice. Yeah. But I'm like, yeah. she knows you're <laughs> Bruce Wayne. So, like, why are you? doing it yeah so he's doing in that at that cafe he's still just ordering drinks at yeah he's like coffee vagino <laughs> yeah so you it's, have to uh, the character do not forget miranda tate marion yeah. Oh, yeah talia yeah well I, was, I don't know why i didn't say that like sorry <laughs> spoiler alert talia yeah. <laughs> One of i don't know the worst I don't, yeah i don't know ever I just i don't know about her either i i feel like i mean she, do you think she, I don't know. I don't know. If she, I mean, she's a good actress, but I just didn't. It just didn't fit. The she didn't fit Talia Al for me, and it's. I don't no. think he nailed the role. I don't know if it's just because she was in Inception, and he's just like, at the end of Inception, it was like, should we all just stay here and film 
in yeah. his Batman Rises. film. And he's like I just giving out, um, like picking out names out of a hat. And he's like, oh, Talia Al Ghul, that'll do for me. Great. She was, um, she was pregnant between Inception and Dark Knight Rises and she gave birth between the two. And she only, I think it was something ridiculous. Like she had three weeks of not working and then they bumped all of her scenes to the end of production for Rises. So she just shot it all like right at the very, very end. Cool. Uh, sure. So hers, it was really, really truncated for her. She was literally just there like the last couple of weeks and they just blasted through all of her stuff, um, including that wonderful like <clears throat> death scene in the truck, which <laughs> yeah. I just hate. I hate I've, it. I hate I've never it. understood exactly how film. she dies because she doesn't like, it doesn't look so savage that she like smashes into the steering wheel or anything. There's no like... no. It's obviously all an internalized injury, but it it doesn't look any worse than when the um, the big truck flips over in Dark Knight. Like that looks like... worse than this, which like hits yeah. fairly all right on the ground, but then yeah. she's apparently yeah, it bounces, doesn't it? Yeah, time. like it drops from the top road down to the bottom yeah. and bounces, and yeah. then she's just like, eh. yeah. I was like, surely just. Just somebody should have been like, we're just going to put a pole through you and it will be like something's gone through you and you're dying of an injury rather than like... Yes. Just so you know, that's uh, that's the YouTube clip right there. Neil's impression. Yeah. Tally Ogle dying. I, yes, I just thought... Yeah. I, I really wanted Bane to kill her. Yeah. I, don't know why I, want, I don't know why I want Bane to kill everyone. But I, I really wanted... When the, when the reveal happened, I really wanted... Although, because Bane was struggling at that point when it was revealed, like his mask had oh, been and done and stuff yeah. by... I really just wish there was another bit where he just, he was like, you know what? I feel like I've pretty much done all this on my own and um, I don't need you anymore. Like, uh, but obviously I get the connection. Like he's obviously, if you look at the pit stuff and everything, like he's her protector and that's also a pretty good moment as well. I just, yeah, I just thought, I thought her death was pretty weak compared to everything that she had done. And I just, she was only like a villain for a little bit. That's what it felt like yeah. as well. It just yeah. felt a bit underwhelming and uh I just don't think she was, I mean, I didn't know that she was just had a baby and stuff. like. Not that that should really make a difference to her role, but it just, and if it was all bundled together and hectic, but I just think they could have cast, I think it was the wrong casting. I actually yeah. think Anne Hathaway would have been a pretty good Talia Yeah, she could have um, been, yeah. Because it was all just like, like I know Catwoman's human, but you take away the Catwoman stuff, like I said, I like something called, so she would have been a good foil for Bruce Wayne for that, that sort of thing as well. Um, yeah, I just thought it was a bit miscast, so I, it didn't really sit well with me compared to a lot of the other roles. It's a bit like who was talking in Dark Knight that they didn't think Aaron Eckhart was good. Mm. Harvey Dent. Someone was saying that. Was it Harry or was it you? I, don't know. I said I like I like the casting. I just don't think he should have been in it. I think they should have. Yeah, then maybe that two, was it. Yeah, two faced all time. But again, Talia Ogul, I, I get that. Again, you take that character out of this story, don't really have a story. But again, I could have just been a Bane story. Like Bane could have been the main villain. Um, yeah, yeah. The whole thing. They so didn't, was, it didn't feel like they tied. I mean, the whole idea of Talia would be that, well, Bruce was trained by the League of Shadows. He, you know, inadvertently caused the death of the fake Razal Ghul and then killed the real Razal Ghul or Raish, depending how you want to pronounce it. Um, and yet it didn't really, like, her whole motivation could have been, you killed my dad. But yeah. it didn't really pull through enough. So it was like, well, she's there and she does tie back to your origin from the first film, but not only sort of really like wishy-washy. Wasn't strong enough that it pulled the whole thing full circle. It's also a bit of an odd plan, isn't it? Because if her plan is correct, then she's she's under she, the plan is that Bane's gonna break 
Batman enough that years are going to pass while he's in a prison to watch Gotham burn. But surely yeah. the plan should just be like, we're just going to burn down Gotham. Like, yeah. We're just going to, we'll break his back and then we'll just break it. Like, uh, I, don't, I don't know what, but it just, it felt a bit far-fetched. That's especially but, considering the amount of time that she'd also invested clearly in setting up her own business that then yeah. worked with Wayne Enterprises on a clean energy project that she five years. predicted that he would mothball that she then just left until he re-emerged. Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. Don't think about it too much. Don't put too much thought into it. Yeah, no, because it. it's, it's a good film. Like This is what we do every, I do every podcast as well. I'm like, I really like this film. I'm like, oh no, like I can't remember what film it was. There was one that we spoke about and I was like, this is such a good film. And I spent the whole podcast just bad-mouthing it. Civil War. Um, was it Civil War? No, you just don't like Civil War. <laughs> stupid, stupid person. Um, um, yeah, I think the... But, you go. No, you, I was just I was just gonna say in my head it's like five years that he's in the pit, but actually I don't think it's that long. No, it must be it's a lot shorter, I would think. I don't know why I've got five years in my head. Yeah, I think it's but like how long is there for six months? I it think they say then doesn't the physicist say that in like if you activate it, you oh, have like five yeah. months and then five months, yeah. Six months or something. But yeah, then there's a really weird bit years. where they show the counter. It's when they're showing the trucks going through Gotham and they show the counter and it's something like like twenty-eight hours. 30 second, 30 minutes and 20 seconds or something. It's like a three counter, right? And then they cut to Batman making his way out of the pit. And I was like, wait, that, that can't. How's he going to get there? He's yeah, like, get back. Yeah, he's yeah, he not only made it, he's had his shower and everything. Yeah. He's popped home to get some new clothes. That whole, that whole bit, I said it at the beginning, but that bit when he just turns up, it's just like, yeah, yeah. Oh, like, how did you just get here? Like, how did you sneak in? Like, you're, I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of it as well. Like he's, you know, when did he find the time to put that bat signal on the bridge? Yeah. I think that lights up. There's a lot of, but again, it's awesome. It's a great visual. And I love the ice bit as well, but it's just, it's just, a I don't know. It all happens very quickly when it probably shouldn't be that quick, but it's, um, yeah, I think, yeah. I think that's my biggest thought with this film is that it goes too big that it's a nuke. Mm-hmm. Like I don't yeah. think it needs to be that to because. Be a nuke. Also, just from like a League of Shadows point of view, their whole thing was we're going to burn down Gotham to restart it, and that's what we've done all along. Is that we we've gone and done that? If you nuke a city, that's like there's nothing left. Yeah, like nobody's going to be around for a long time to rebuild that place. <laughs> like you're you're fully ending it. Like yeah. you know, I think that's this. I think the second. I think I like the first half of the film more than. Yeah, second half. I think I wanted a lot more grumbly old Bruce Wayne. Um, mm. That that leg brace thing always makes me flinch, though. When it you hear all this cartilage clicking again, it's like, oh, uh, it doesn't sound good. Like, yeah, <laughs> don't don't go out there, Bruce. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I just I think I like the first part more than the second. But I actually thought think the same with. I think I think the same about all three of those Batman films. Like Dark Knight, I enjoyed the first half because I wasn't that keen on the end of Dark Knight with uh, mm. the sonar system. And I think, like you just said, with the nuke then, I think it's almost like Christopher Nolan's gone too too crazy um, with the endings. Uh, it could have been scaled back a little bit and felt probably a bit more, I don't know, normal in a way. Yeah. Just uh, a bit, I too, don't feel bit like, too much. I feel like Begins Third Act is pretty, like, organic. Like I feel like that builds pretty 
well. I don't think that, that's that's out of the three. I like that that second half more, but I I like the beginnings more than the second half. Second and half, all three. I, I love I love Batman being trained by um, Liam Neeson or Azal Ghul uh, in the first bit and all that build up to it. And I I enjoy all the little Bruce bits as well. I think they're well done with uh, like yeah. the theme with the bats and everything and. I like the beginning of Dark Knight. I love the bank scene. I love like Joker's original scene, the big beginning scenes he has as well, like the mob scene and everything. And it, I just think it tails off a bit towards the end. And I think it's just because he he puts a lot into it as well. And Dark Knight Rises towards the end feels very overstuffed very quickly in that in those bits. Um, yeah, they so. rush through the siege of Gotham quite a lot, really. When you think about it, yeah, yeah they did. They really did. I was looking when you were kind of saying at the beginning that you feel it's quite sort of overstuffed. I looked because I was looking at No Man's Land on the shelf behind me because I couldn't remember how many volumes there are in the collected edition of No Man's Land. Just because that's what I always think of when Gotham is cut off and it's under siege. I just my brain goes No Man's Land. And that's that's like two prequel volumes with the the contagion and the actual earthquake itself. And then it's like five volumes of what happens afterwards. Yeah. So it I mean it was like a year and a half or something's worth of storytelling in comics. And then to think that you try and distill all of that in, you know, the bits that you use down into like a two and a half hour movie. It's like, you, you just, there's not enough. There's yeah, not, enough, not no. enough to do it properly and do it justice. Yeah, Cause that's what you, I get the vibe again. I've only seen trailers and read bits about the Batman, but you, you I feel like I get the, I get the feeling that it's going to be um, like a, a, a lot, like less will be more. Like yeah, uh, yeah, it's going to be like okay, Riddler is a, a perfect foil for Batman. It's because they want to finally go like a proper detective route as well with Batman. So you get the feeling that that is going to be like you've said before, Nick, as well, like the Batman film that we've been waiting for for a long time. It's going to be the hopefully a bit of the best of all everything, um, yeah. not the '66 Batman and not the Joel Schumacher Batman. Oh, maybe I don't know, but uh, not like the Bat nipples or anything. But just yeah. like a bit of Christopher Nolan with a bit of Tim Burton. Like that's yeah. what is. That's what I'm hoping the Batman being. I think, I think you're right, Neil. As well, I think they've they've crammed far too much um, of No Man's Land and Nightfall and stuff into into Dark Knight Rise, and that's where it loses its footing a little bit at the end for me. So yeah, yeah, it, it feels like it's um, it's trying to like adhere to a lot of the source material, as well as at the same time act as like a the conclusion and the third film in a trilogy. So yeah. it's like you usually find with a conclusion or whatever that they'll tie it back to the first film um, because that's sort of how you, you link your emotional current is that it's like you, you've, you've tied it all together. And I feel like those moments work really well in this because it's the reference to the jacket. It's the reference to like Alfred over the years. It's you've got a lot of heart there, but then the actual core like Batman story is just too much that you're kind of like okay and then it keeps giving you like little bits where you're like this is this is great and then it goes really big again and you're like oh it's sort of like letting me down a little bit um i i, I definitely think that second half is it's not convoluted but it's problematic i think in the yeah. just it's, it's probably the best way to describe it yeah i think it's um yeah. it's doing way too much than it should I like the Batman chalk bits as well. I like the kid, obviously, and they've kept that going with the markings as well. And I love the fact that even after all the rough stuff that's going on, like Batman is still the symbol that they, you know, they gravitate towards and they want, like they're, like, they hope or or like he's he's still a symbol after all that time. Like, because 
Am I right? I mean, I only saw it last week, but they all think he's they all think he's dead. Or they no, they're just waiting. They're just hoping he comes back. Yeah, they're they? just yeah, hoping he comes back. No, no, that's at the beginning. They're hoping he comes back. They want yeah. him to because Joseph Gordon Levitt, and then later on in the film, they're not sure where he is. Oh yeah, because yeah, doesn't one of them say? Um, yeah, the kid says, "Do you think he's he's coming?" And Gordon yes. Levitt's like, "Just keep your eye peeled," kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I do like that bit as well when Batman and Joseph Gordon-Levitt, when it's, you know, the, the villains are all ganging up on Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character and then Batman shows up as well. I thought that was, I like that scene as well. Like Joseph Gordon-Levitt being a bit starstruck almost that Batman's <laughs> yeah, there yeah. In, in uniform as well and doing his Batman voice. Yeah. Uh, Curious. Even though, even by that point, he knows he's already put together, hasn't he? Because obviously he's, yeah. uh, he's at Wayne Manor like, hey, we need Batman back. He's yeah, like, yeah. I, don't know what, I don't know what he's talking about, mate. Like, yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure you're Batman. No. Yeah. So, uh, no. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, don't know what you, I don't know what you mean. Oh, giving it away. Did you, um, did you think that the, there's a character, oh, wait, if I, I hope I've not mixed these up now. The guy who tries to blackmail Lucius Fox is that in Dark Knight? That's, that's, Dark Knight. that's Dark Knight, isn't it? Because oh, I was thinking about it earlier. It's because I, I watched Dark Knight recently as well. I actually watched Dark Knight because you were watching Dark Knight, Neil. You Did you watch Dark Knight last week, was it? Yeah, I did. I watched it really recently, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I'm going to watch the Dark Knight as well, just because it's uh, easily accessible on HBO Max now. So, um, yeah, and I watched it. That's why I've got the mixed up. But I just always assumed that was the Riddler as well, but it wasn't. So I wanted I mean, it to be the to him in those years in between films. Why did he yeah. not appear between films and go, Oh, you're after Batman? Oh, it's Bruce Wayne. Yeah, where's he gone? So Lucius Fox didn't have a big role in Dark Knight Rises, though, did he? It was like his least, uh, I mean, I know he's not a big time uh, player. That, in, was, in... that was not long after he'd had that really big car accident in, oh, was it? Okay. in real life. Yeah, because um, it's after his one hand was paralyzed. So you, there's a lot of framing in this that cuts away from his one arm that's really, really weak. I think you can only see it when um, he's climbing the ladder with Miranda Tate down to the, the bunker. Um, you can see that he can't use one hand. So I think he was still kind of in rehab after his car accident. So, I didn't know that. That makes sense as well then. I think that might be why he's got a slightly reduced role in this one because he couldn't quite get in the action as much as maybe he would have before. Yeah. It's a shame, isn't it, that with Heath Ledger as well? We, I know we spoke about this before as well, but it would have been awesome. I know I said about recurring characters, but I wonder if he, I wonder what this film would have been like if he was still around. Okay. I wonder if he would have been included, yeah. and if he would have been like, uh, you know, we would have, there would have been some I sort think of. Scene would have gone to Arkham him. or something. Did, yeah, that's why I thought. Like, like, the, we went, yeah, because we didn't go to Arkham in the second one, did we? We only saw it in the first one. Mm-hmm. So yeah. maybe we would have gone back there and kind of tied up the loop on that one and just seen where that was at the end. Yeah, I would have really liked that. That's why I think I wish was in this film as well, some of the Joker bit as well. So mm-hmm. I'm not talking like uh, Batman Forever where Bane breaks into the prison, you've got all the outfits of all the villains, Amazing. which is pretty cool. But uh, yeah, so that's a shame that he wasn't involved or he, he was uh, obviously not not around for it. Yeah. I know one thing I haven't mentioned actually that I was going to, I think I mentioned it to you, didn't I, Nick, where I said, um, I kind of wish that they had done the audio on the home video so that you actually got the feeling of the bat 
Yeah, because yeah, I yeah. remember watching it in the cinema, and when Batman runs into that alleyway and it's completely pitch black, and then the lights come up and they're like, <laughs> yeah. the, the hovercraft kicks in. I remember it rattling my chest and being like, "This is amazing!" Yeah, I love I that vehicle, and you just don't get it on home video quite like you did at the cinema. No, yeah. definitely not. It was it was really cool the first time uh, mm. that came out of the alleyway. Really good. I love the fact they use all the vehicles as well, like over the course of the trilogy. Like I like the fact yeah. that, like. Tumblr got a spotlight and then the bat wing, no, not the bat wing, the bat, and before that, the bat pod in the second one. So uh really cool. I love that moment as well. I would just wish I wish you got the same feeling you did at home as well. Hmm. I did love one fact about that actually. Here's a fun fact for you uh from reading my big bat book. Uh so when they do the scene where Bruce and Selena are in the bat and it's up on the rooftop where he kind of flies off with her, they actually took apart the vehicle carried it up in an elevator like a service elevator Ooh. in this apartment block in new york reconstructed it on the roof and that is actually genuinely a cityscape behind them yeah, they were like any wow. other director would have green screened this but chris was like nope you're going to take that apart you're going to carry it up there and we're going to shoot on that rooftop and they really did so they were actually like hanging off the side of a building in that practical craft i do remember seeing all the set photos of the the bat and remember thinking that's really cool that they've like they've made something that's practical. Like, yeah, it did it, it went around on a on a car, did it? Yeah, is that how they did it. So yeah, they did, had like yeah. a car that drove it around because yeah, it's I always thought, quite low down, isn't it? In yeah, the, in the street scenes. And I thought that was quite cool that like at least you've kind of gone through the effort to like build an actual thing that people can see and like at least yeah. it's not um, just all green screen. I thought that was really nice. Um, these, I mean, I like. I'm, I mean, I understand green screen sometimes, but there are so many. Like a, that show that my wife is watching, the whatever sequel to Sex and the City is. It was literally a scene where this main character, she's in an apartment building, but it's green screen behind her, just, just in that show, because you just know because there's yeah. nothing going on. It's just, ah, uh, like why, why can't you just go to an apartment? Just yeah. the fact that they've lifted this bat in a lift. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. insane. That just hearing that is like, why? Surely there was some other way of doing it. Surely they could have uh, like lifted up the crane. Lift up with a crane. Yeah, choose yeah. a little bit of a lower building, maybe. But yeah. fair play. Yeah. I, I love the fact that they've done that. That's awesome. That's, I mean, some of those shots in the Batman trilogies are just amazing, aren't they? The, in all, in all three of them, are just fantastic. Yes. So it's beautiful, like the the snow stuff in Batman Begins, and the, you know, the Dark Knight. The, I know we said about the bank robbery scene in Chicago it just looks like Chicago, but it's still well shot. It's it is really well shot. Yeah. I um was on your list, Nick. Uh so one of the other things that I thought just helped with this film that made me feel like it was again Gotham, and again, sort of in the mythos of Batman, which I think Dark Knight I said at the time I missed, is the Batcave. I understand like narratively why he doesn't have it in Dark Knight. But I feel like the the like big open space thing underground just it I don't know, it just doesn't it feels more like an undercover cop base um in Dark Knight. It just it feels like yeah something where they're like running a sting and they're like, we've got this secret thing set up in a container. Um yep. whereas in this, like actually having the bat cave back and it being like a a whole moving set and having things it just feels like okay this is batman like it's very much in the in the world and i i think that sort of added to my thing of like oh i i'd completely forgotten the bat cave was in this um 
and it just I, I enjoyed that I enjoyed having that back and it kind of feeling like Gotham again um, and I love that it came out of the water yeah it's so cool yeah, yeah. It's, it's done so well and also I think linked to that as well like Alfred's not in this whole lot but the the scenes he are he is in are like really powerful. Like he, he yeah. delivers some amazing dialogue. Michael Caine is just top form. Um and I just yeah, I just I think him and Oldman are the two that throughout the whole trilogy I'm just constantly kind of enamored with because I think they yeah. just own the They're the MVPs, aren't they? They're the two yeah. they're the two big uh I don't know screen presence and everything. I mean, Michael came when he's talking to Bruce on the stairs, when he's saying about the letter and everything from, yeah, from Rachel, from General. Rachel, yeah. that's the one. Uh, that's a pretty powerful scene. Like you, you actually feel bad and you feel like, because you, we were saying, obviously Bruce Wayne is a bit of a dick, like, uh, like, especially in this, in this one. And he's just, I don't know. I just felt bad for Alfred and he's so sad. Poor yeah. Alfred. And he just wants the best for Bruce as well. And he's, You've got to think at this point, he's put up with a lot of crap as well. Like all the stuff, like uh, patching him up and going, like helping him. Yeah. He's in Dark Knight, based. Bear in mind, he's in that makeshift Batcave with him and he's doing all these things with him and he's helping me. If you know he's risky, even though like he's already lost two people that he cared about in Thomas and, and Martha. And now he's supposed to be helping raise the son and look after him. And he's, you know, it's like a, a mother worrying about their son when they go out at night or whatever, or the daughter, like, yeah. You don't want them to get hurt or do something stupid, but you know, Bruce is doing this stuff, and you know, the fact that he's pushed Alfred to his limit is that's you know, pretty powerful stuff. Yeah, the funeral so, scene's great as well at the end of Rises. I think Michael Caine's yeah, amazing yeah. in that scene. Yeah, yeah definitely. And presumably, the way I look at that scene is that he doesn't at that point know that Bruce may or may not be alive. Yeah, um, yeah. and that that is genuine grief rather than him putting on a show for anyone that might be there. But I think they say it like that as well. That makes me feel even more unsure about the cafe scene at the end because, sure, I mean, I'm sure you just raise a cup to him, but if you didn't know, again, now I'm just even more confused. And I'll just think about, like, maybe he did know the graveyard scene, but then, I don't just know. Before it, though, isn't it? Just narratively, like, he's at the funeral. The graveyard, scenes, the graveyard scene is before the cafe scene. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, narratively, so that point, he wouldn't have any question that Bruce is alive. Oh, so when from he's your the perspective, then, in the cafe scene, do you think that's the moment he that that's the moment Alfred learns that Bruce is alive? Or yeah, do that's you think why. Hmm. Okay. But then surely you would get. Surely you'd be like. Surely you wouldn't just like raise your glass. You'd be like. He would throw Bruce. that chair and be like, "What the yeah. Bruce, well, no, you son of a bitch!" Because his point to Bruce is that he's like, "I always wanted more for you. That I wanted a life that's outside of this." And that was the whole reason that he walked away. That he was like you're on a mission to like basically end your life. And so I always took it as like when Alfred sees him there, rather than him be like, let's get back together. It's like him going, you've done it. Like you've made a decision to move away from me and from Gotham and, and you're, you're there. And Bruce knowing that Bruce knowing that Alfred would go to this cafe also tied it all off that it's like Bruce would have the foresight to go okay so every year fuck it let's go I'm, put, I'm putting my hand up right like mm. from at school because yeah. how long was Bruce waiting at that cafe for no as yeah. in like Alfred just said Al, no because Alfred said every year around the same time I'd go to the same cafe yeah he does say he goes the same time every year but, but, so like, 
but Bruce is a detective, right? Specify. So it's not going to be hard for him to be like, okay, where the fuck's Alfred been going? Like, no, but he's it's not, not about that. It's about the time as well, isn't it? Like, Selena's yeah. probably got plans to do. She's probably like a busy person. She wants to go out and about. But Bruce's like, no, we've got to sit in this cafe. They're both holidays. Around this time of year, Alfred's going to be there. And I'm not going to text him. <laughs> This is going to be pet. He's going to lose his shit when he sees me, Selena. Yeah. And then he's just like, I was disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't even seem that excited to see me. Like, fair enough. He raised, you know, he raised me from a child. And all he's doing is just cheers. Yeah, it's just yeah. a tip of me. Yeah. Jesus Christ, I'm going back to Gotham. <laughs> Stupid. Uh, so I'm just as confused. I, uh, I like to think he's dead. <laughs> I'm with you. I, uh, if he, I if he wasn't, dead. let's say if he wasn't, would you have liked to have seen him appear alongside Henry Cavill Superman if Warner Brothers could have convinced them to make it work. No. Yes. I agree. Totally, they're just two different. I also didn't realise, because this was 2012, Men of Steel was 2013. Yeah. I was like, that's crazy that within a year you got... We were under... Yeah, yeah. like Men of Steel. I mean, that's because the, the success wasn't it. So like, hey, Chris, like, want to hop on this bandwagon with Zack Snyder? It's going to be great. It's going to be like, yeah, I'll produce that. Like, sure. Yeah. Is it going to be like dark in tone? Yep. <laughs> it's okay. going to be fucking dark. Like, Is there going to be any sort of twist? Yeah, we're going to kill Zod. <laughs> Whoa. Shit. <laughs> Count me in. Yeah. And uh, so I, I would I thought it, it would have been cool to see those two on screen together, I thought. I, I mean, I like Christian Bale's Batman more than Ben Affleck's Batman. Mm, no. Even if Ben Affleck's Batman has the best Batman scene Ever in the warehouse, several as well. Like, he, but no, I, prefer I prefer I prefer Ben Affleck's voice as Batman. Yeah, <laughs> just, uh, I like uh, Dark Knight Batman more than Ben Affleck Batman. So, but no one is as good as George Clooney Batman. <laughs> this is true. Yeah, I'm disappointed that they chose Keaton to come back over Clooney because Clooney yeah. needs a second chance. Imagine, imagine if in the Flash film George Clooney's Batman shows up. That would be just top. Like they asked Affleck like that recently because they just did that film The Tender Bar together. Okay. And somebody yeah. said, is, "Is Clooney in it?" And he was like, "If he is, nobody's told me." But yeah, yeah. So I didn't see him on set, but you never know. <laughs> yeah, I'd love it. I just love it <laughs> if he was in it. Great. It'd be so good. Anyway, but probably not. So wrapping up then, mm. out of a, a score of. Do we normally do 10? I never remember our rating system. Out of 10, hmm. what'd you give it? Dark Knight Rises. I will give it an eight consistently okays. Hmm. So one more than Dark Knight. Dark, yeah, one above Dark Knight. Nice. Neil? I think I'd probably go eight as well, actually. And what would you do for Batman Begins and Dark Knight out of curiosity? Like, where do uh, they fall on your rating scale? Dark Knight, I would probably give a seven. And begins, I would probably give an eight. So I think this for me is kind of on par with begins and better than than Dark Knight. Hmm. I would probably give it a seven. I think Ooh. definitely uh, a lot of those numbers in that seven is the Bane breaking Batman in half. Uh, but I I do really like I do really like it. But I've I prefer Dark Knight, which God hope I give a higher rating than seven in the other podcasts. Because I think I give it a. I think you gave it like an eight or a nine. I don't think we yeah, even think about Batman Begins. I think we forgot. But I would give Begins a nine out of ten. I would give reference. I would give Begins an eight out of ten. Oof. I like the fact that we are on a consistently okay podcast. We're not consistent with anything at all. No. 
other than well consistently consistently like not sticking to uh <laughs> yeah. like the plan that we have for the podcast but um so yeah so awesome so anything else to cover guys i oh, know we just give it a rating but it would be typical of us now to start at the beginning like what do you think of the opening credits what about the score <laughs> banger the score is great it's good yeah the score is good very very good i love the i actually considering the characterization is maybe not the best i do love the piano motif that goes with uh Anne hathaway's catwoman yes that is really good as well i do like it the only I thing i don't like is the weird chanting for bane oh no yeah i was gonna say that about the pit because that's the, that's the thing about the pit so here we are now we're just going into it again <laughs> the pit scene has just got so many so much stuff that's just not going for it like the, the jump bit the chanting with the jump and i generally think that chanting because that was in the trailer it was like the beginning of the trailer it was like oh ha, ha. it's like yeah. what the fuck is going on here and then when you when you actually see it, it's just like oh just i don't i just thought i just didn't like the chanting i didn't like the pit the only bit i liked in the pit was when you saw bane for the first time uh, when he's all wrapped up and stuff, or he's been, you know, he's he's protecting uh, Taliogul, but yeah, just chanting was just so, just feels really out of place. Just, yeah, and what? Yeah. N- not enough people are trying to jump as well, you know. Yeah, just try, just try. Someone else, give it a go. Don't just <laughs> yeah. wait. Don't practice your chanting. Give it a go. I'd be trying every day. I might I die. Think, I don't. Know I don't want to be in a pit anymore. The, the falls that he does as well, where he like misses and he's got the rope attachment and he falls. I don't know how the rope doesn't then break his back again. It's a Gwen Stacy moment right there. Yeah, like surely the the strength of that based on the him falling would like damage you. Like you wouldn't just... Probably, but then in all that logic, if he doesn't die and he doesn't break his back, then everyone else should be trying because everyone, everyone could try with a rope. Like, yeah. It's just like the fact that they're not queuing up like lemmings to try and jump off this uh, off this thing is just balmy to me. Just just do it. I mean, he, he, bear in mind he's just broke his back. I know he's in good condition. He's doing press ups every day, but you, there's plenty of time to do press ups. Anyone could try it, but no, just didn't didn't like the pit thing. Didn't like the fact that he got out of the pit and then yeah, like two days, twenty four hours later, he's in Gotham, clean shaven and you know feeling good about his life. Yeah. Just. I don't know. And then he's fighting Bane as well pretty soon after that, whereas you know, he, he couldn't beat Bane on his first go, let alone being in a pit for five months. Let's not talk about the pit anymore, guys. <laughs> and they've got a TV down there. A very old yeah, TV. It's yeah. a very old TV as well, but yeah, good signal, yeah. It's all, all sorts of stuff. Just watching the news all day, it'll be fine. Just uh, Until Bruce breaks it. He breaks their TV. What about yeah, the people what a dick. there? What a dick. <laughs> That guy's in his prison who's helping Bruce get back on his feet. All he had was the TV. And then Bruce is talking about he's going to go and save Gotham. He doesn't even get to find out, does he? No, he doesn't get the end of the story. Stupid pit. Anyway, but so that's a, I guess that's a good note to, to leave this on. on. I think we yeah. wrapped up nicely. We all, we all give it a solid score out of 10, but bloody pit scene. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Neil. Thanks for having me back. And um, I'm sure you'll be back for a future podcast sooner rather than later, as we love having you on. So that would be awesome. Whatever we decide to do, fingers crossed. Maybe, uh, maybe next time I would have seen Spider Man. Nice. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. Um, cool. All right. Um, that's the end of this episode. You can find us on social media, Twitter, and Instagram at consistentlypod, and on YouTube by simply searching for Consistently OK Podcast. We stream on all podcast services. If you're an Apple Podcast subscriber, you subscribe for extra content. All right. 
So our next episode is going to be just one of our normal pop culture episodes, and we're going to be talking about Hawkeye, the end of Hawkeye, amongst yeah. other things, some films you've seen, Nick, some films I've seen, and yeah. all sorts going on in the world pop culture-wise. So Heels. that will be out. That's Heels. a big one. Which I've not I'm... seen, but maybe by the time we record, I might have seen it. Be you prepared. Know. I'm, I'm going to... I can't. I, I've got so much to say about it. So, yes. But you're going to watch Peacemaker, right? Even though I said you weren't that excited about it. Yeah, I'll give it a watch. I yeah, nice. I'm not sure it's gonna be that's to the, me, but I, I will watch it. That's the spirit. All right, great. Well, we will uh, catch all of you next time, and thanks for joining us. Cheers. Catch in a bit. Bye. Bye.